This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And welcome back. Remember, more information about the show can be found on our Facebook page. Please join us on Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now and join the conversation there as well. In the studio with me now, we're joined by Lori Nomson Rivers, PhD. She's a registered dietitian and associate professor of nutrition in the Department of Nutritional Sciences in the University of Cincinnati's College of Applied Health Sciences. It's our pleasure to welcome Lori to the show. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning Magazine. Well, thank you, Rodney. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I must admit this. I've been doing this show for over 20 so years, and I've never done a show on breastfeeding. So I'm really pumped. I guess that's a bad joke. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so I'm really pumped. So tell me about this. So tell us about your role at UC. At the University of Cincinnati, I'm an associate professor of nutritional sciences. It's actually a new role for me. I just started there on September 1. I am a epidemiologist with a background as an international board certified lactation consultant and registered dietitian. Okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you That's off, okay. but let's talk about this now. What do we know about the number of women? How many women breastfeed? About three out of every four women in the Ohio area start off breastfeeding. Um, the national Healthy People 2020 goal is to have 80% of women in the nation initiate breastfeeding. Here in Ohio, um, we're a little below the national average, but we've actually made tremendous headway over the last 10 years. We used to be way below the national average, so we actually are showing a lot of improvement. Breastfeeding is becoming more and more um, the norm and, and more and more what new mothers want to do in our region. Okay, so, you know, I've heard stories in my own family of babies being fed condensed milk, evaporated milk in the 1960s, um, and this had to be terribly unhealthy, I I would guess. What is it that turned moms away from um, the natural thing of breastfeeding right here in this country? What happened? Uh, Yeah, that's a great point. I actually was raised on condensed milk as well, Uh, even though I... Grew up on a farm where all the other animals That just were. does not sound right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't sound right. But okay. Yes. So you were raised on it, but let's yes. talk more about that. Yes. And um, and fortunately, infant formula has evolved quite a bit since then. And the more we learn about the composition of human milk, the better we are able to make infant formula. And it's a good thing we have infant formula because there are times when babies do need that extra nutrition. But our first priority always is to try and optimize baby getting mother's own milk, and if that's not possible, getting banked human milk. So that's something else okay, we could talk about. Okay, but let's go back. What what evolved? Why do we get away from this? What do we know about uh, Right. That? So prior to pasteurization, almost all babies were fed human milk, either fed from their own mother or from wet nurses in um, upper-class society. In some circles, it was fashionable to use wet nurses to nurse your baby, but... Um, Babies died if they didn't get human milk prior to pasteurization. With um, industrialization, women going to work, there was striving to find substitutes because mothers were going to be away from their baby. And then when once births started happening in hospitals, we started getting more prescriptive and more scientific in quotes on on how we fed babies. Um, And so, you know, the low point for being breastfed uh, would have been, you know, in the starting in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 
And then starting in the 70s with women empowerment movements and women reclaiming their bodies and just going along with um, the movement to natural childbirth, you know. So it was really led by women and the health care professionals um, responded to women's advocacy for wanting to know more about breastfeeding and wanting more support and being able to breastfeed. Okay, so what do we know about why women don't breastfeed today? Yes, very few women say, I don't want to breastfeed, but you often hear, I couldn't breastfeed because. And so what this tells me is that we have more work to do to identify the barriers to women being successful in breastfeeding because it really is our duty as a society to support mother in being successful in breastfeeding. When you think about all of the routines and support and medicalization we have around pregnancy, you know, regular prenatal care visits, around childbirth, and then the baby is born and the mom might get one visit from the lactation consultant in the hospital and then they're sent home to figure this out on their own. All that medical and societal support ends and, um, you know, we, we really need to do better in mending the holes in the safety net so women can be successful in, in meeting their goals. Some of the mo- most common reasons why women stop breastfeeding are worries about not having enough milk. And that's completely understandable. Every mother wants to do best for her baby and wants to know that her baby's adequately nourished. And uh, so that's, you know, one of the most common reasons why moms start using formula. Okay. What about, I hear women say that it's painful. Yes, that's another common um, concern that mothers have. Um, We find that actually be one of the less common reasons why mothers stop. They tend to stop either because of worries about not enough milk or their baby isn't doing, figuring out how to feed at the breast. But yes, it's very common, um, especially for first-time moms. In those first uh, couple of days, to have nipple tenderness, we always encourage moms, if, if it's going beyond tenderness, it's really important to see a lactation consultant because they are trained in helping to address where the problem is at that is causing the pain um, because pain is a, is a sign that something's not right with how the baby's latching at the breast. Okay. And, and moms shouldn't just suffer through that. They should be getting help for that. And again, in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Lori Nomson Rivers, PhD and registered dietitian and associate professor of nutrition in the Department of Nutritional Sciences in the University of Cincinnati's College of Applied Health Sciences. For more information on breastfeeding, you can visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. We'll have additional information there. Now, let's talk about the health benefits of breastfeeding. Why is this the best option for both mom and child? Well, Rodney, that's a great question. And what's really exciting about being a researcher in this area of human lactation right now is the more sophisticated science gets, the more we learn about just how um, how powerful human milk is and just how complex this fluid is. It's true that formula is providing babies with nutrition and they will grow, but human milk is nutrition and so much more. The more we learn about the microbiome, I mean, everyone's hearing about probiotics. Well, human milk is the very first probiotic that a baby gets. Um, there are many factors in human milk that help the right bacteria grow in the baby's gut that um, help 
prevent the baby from gastrointestinal illnesses. Breastfed babies um, are three times less likely to have bouts of diarrhea during childhood. Uh, There's also factors in human milk that protect the baby from many of the other common childhood illnesses. They're less likely to get ear infections, pneumonia, less likely to be hospitalized. So even when they do get these illnesses, they're less severe. Um, Breastfeeding even reduces infant mortality. Breastfed babies are less likely to die of SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. Uh, There are substances in human milk that help the brain grow optimally. We actually see differences in how the brain grows in babies who are breastfed versus formula fed. This is why every major public health organization encourages mothers to breastfeed. The most solid evidence we have are on the acute illnesses, the common illnesses of childhood. You know, we have rent, we have very solid evidence that breastfeeding is highly protective against the common childhood illnesses. There, in addition, there's a growing body of evidence saying that breastfeeding protects baby and mother from later development of chronic disease. So, yes, breastfeeding um, is associated with lower incidence of allergies and asthma as the child gets older, lower likelihood of the child developing type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Um, there are several studies showing links to reduced risk of developing obesity, inflammatory bowel disease, like Crohn's disease, um, those factors. And in the mother, too, we are finding, um, learning more and more how important this fourth trimester of taking time to breastfeed after the baby is born is important for the mother recovering from the strains of pregnancy. So we find the longer a mother lactates, the lower her risk of developing heart disease, type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, even find that mothers um, who have breastfed have less postmenopausal belly fat. So, you know, who doesn't want less postmenopausal belly fat? <laughs> All right, sounds like a win-win situation there. So let's talk about this now. Let's, how long should babies be breastfed? Great question, Rodney. You've obviously done your homework for <laughs> ever done yes, I did. this topic before. You're a quick study. The American Academy of Pediatrics and the World Health Organization both recommend that babies are exclusively breastfed for the first six months. And then after six months, we start introducing appropriate complementary foods, and the mother is, is encouraged to continue breastfeeding. In the U.S., we recommend for at least one year. And, uh, internationally, the recommendation is for at least two years. So in settings where babies are more vulnerable to die from infection, they're encouraged to continue breastfeeding longer. Because as long as that baby's being breastfed, they're getting antibodies that are protecting them from um, infection. And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. If you'd like more information on breastfeeding or more information about the show or to join the conversation, visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. You'll find out more about our guest here, Lori Nomson Rivers. She's um, with the University of Cincinnati College of Applied Health Sciences. She's a registered dietitian there this morning. She's talking about breastfeeding. Now, let's talk about what advice you can offer to new moms, the moms that are listening, and this is their very first time breastfeeding. Um, What would you say to them? What advice and tips would you give to them? Yes. Well, first off, I congratulate new moms for considering breastfeeding their baby. That's right in line with um, what public health organizations recommend. It's great to get started 
preparing for breastfeeding during one's pregnancy. So what you can do during your pregnancy is when you go on your hospital tour, ask if the hospital is a certified baby-friendly hospital. The World Health Organization set up 10 steps, that hos- simple steps that hospitals should take to um, become certified as baby-friendly. And we have several hospitals in our area, including our own University of Cincinnati um, Hospital, University of Cincinnati Medical Center that is certified baby-friendly. And if you are giving birth at a certified baby-friendly hospital, you might want to ask them what to expect during the in that immediate postpartum period when your baby is born. Um, it, it's good to be prepared for knowing that um, best practices include as soon as your baby is born, you'll be encouraged to hold your baby bare skin to bare skin. That helps activate the baby's own innate natural senses to look for the breast and start feeding. And you'll be encouraged to feed your baby right there in the delivery room so the baby gets uh, a nice um, dose of colostrum that's just filled with antibodies that's going to give the baby protection from the outside world from the moment the baby's born. And you should also expect that you'll um, have your baby stay with you in your maternity room. Your baby will not go off to the nursery like we see in so many classic 1950s movies. You'll be expected to um, hang out with your baby close by you in a bassinet right there next to you so you can feed your baby frequently. So that's the first thing is find out about your hospital's practices and what to expect. The second thing is um, when you're shopping for a pediatrician for your baby, ask if they have an international board certified lactation consultant on staff. Many of our pediatric practices here in our area are more and more going towards having an on-staff lactation consultant. And also ask, Will you be able to have an appointment with your pediatrician um, within one to two days of leaving the hospital? The American Academy of Pediatrics strongly encourages that first pediatric visit to happen at days three to five of age, and um, that's very important. And, you know, of course, that you don't know when your baby's going to be born, so that means the pediatrician being flexible and, and scheduling in time for those newborns to come in. It's also really important that you have your baby weighed those first few days when you get home to make sure your baby is now gaining weight. In the first couple of days after your baby is born, it's normal for for all babies to lose weight. Babies are born overhydrated. They're ready. They have that extra water in them because in the first couple of days, they're getting colostrum, which is so important. And then after a couple of days, the mother's mature milk comes in. The mother starts to feel her breast get fuller and heavier. And that's when we should start to see the baby start to gain weight. And it's very, very critical that you make sure your baby is gaining weight. And if not, you're working with someone knowledgeable in breastfeeding support, like a lactation consultant, to help you with a feeding plan to ensure your baby's getting enough nutrition. Good. That's a good lead into my next question, because recently I read a story about a family that lost their baby to insufficient breastfeeding in general, generally speaking, what's the problem when this happens? First off, my heart goes out to the family that lost their newborn. That's a horrible tragedy that no parent should ever have to experience. And sometimes mothers don't make enough milk. And this that's actually one of the focuses of my research. I, I just finished a research study completely focused on mothers who, despite their best efforts, were not able to make enough milk. So I think a really important message to get out there is um, 
it is true that there are some moms who do everything right and still are not able to make enough milk. And we need to validate that this exists. And these moms, you know, their struggles are real. And this is why we need, as healthcare providers, need to address the holes in the safety net that are allowing these moms and their babies to slip through the cracks. This is why it is so important that we have a plan for those first few days home that include assessing, is breastfeeding going well? Is mother's milk, is she building up an abundant milk supply? Is her baby gaining weight? By the time the baby's a week old, they should be gaining an ounce a day. They just really should be um, growing very rapidly. And, uh, you know, it's true that when mothers and babies are learning to best breastfeed, it seems like babies are hungry all the time. That's common and normal that babies might want to feed 12, 15, 16 times a day. But they should be feel satisfied after those feedings. They should be growing. They should be gaining weight. Um, and that's why it's so important to connect with a knowledgeable healthcare professional who knows about breastfeeding management, like an international board-certified lactation consultant, to confirm you're getting off to a good start. Um, in ideal society, we should be having home visits for mothers. So that first day or two home from the hospital, someone is visiting the mother and ensuring baby is gaining weight, mother's milk is in, baby is latching well, we're addressing her pain and discomfort issues. And unfortunately, we're not there yet as a society. Um, and in the meantime, we, we do need to make sure they're being supported um, in, in those first few days home. So almost along the same lines, explain to us who shouldn't breastfeed. That's a good question. So who should absolutely not give their milk to their baby at all? That's a very, very small list. What I would say is if you are a mom with a chronic disease or you regularly take a medication, I would strongly encourage you, and if you're, you're here locally, go to Rodney's Facebook page and we'll have our resource list posted, which includes contact for the Center for Breastfeeding Medicine, which is an outpatient clinic at Children's Hospital staffed by pediatricians who are also international board certified lactation consultants. You can make an appointment during your pregnancy and talk to them about your chronic disease and what medication you're taking and um, whether breastfeeding is right for you. There's um, one genetic condition where breastfeeding is absolutely contraindicated in the baby, and that's galactosemia. So actually, the list is really tiny. Um, My progression of research is pointing to mothers um, who carry a lot of weight around their middle, mothers who are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes, mothers who might have had gestational diabetes, what we call mothers with um, poor metabolic health, Um, they are at greater risk for having difficulty making enough milk. Mothers who had polycystic ovary syndrome during, um, you know, or had mothers who had to take metformin to conceive, these are all factors. If you had breast surgery, anything done to your breast. And another big red flag is if you did not notice any growth in your breast during pregnancy. Most women... One of the pluses of being pregnant is they go up a cup size. You know, <laughs> you know they have more cleavage. But if you're not noticing that, definitely make an appointment with a lactation consultant and review your situation. So we talked a lot this morning about breastfeeding, but are lactation consultants always against using formula, baby formula? You know, that's a common misconception about lactation consultants that we uh, are against formula, and in fact, lactation consultants. We very much appreciate that the number one rule is feed 
the baby. So our first priority is to evaluate how can we make sure we get as much breast milk from this mother to this baby. And if whatever, once we optimize that, if that's not enough to meet the baby's nutritional needs, then we look at supplementation. Sometimes the mother can supplement with her own milk. She could pump. If it's the, the most common issue is that the baby is having trouble transferring milk. And, and lactation consultants are experts at figuring out why is this baby having trouble latching on? And, you know, what's going on with the baby? That, can we fix this to help the baby get more milk out? But if the baby's having difficulty, we can give the mother a hospital-grade breast pump and she give the baby her own milk. If that isn't working and it's something going on with the mother's milk supply, sometimes it's temporary. She needs a temporary bridge of infant formula. Um, in some cases, banked human milk is available, especially for our preterm babies. Um, but absolutely, formula is sometimes a temporary bridge and sometimes it's part of the long-term plan. For our moms, like we were talking about, who have insufficient glandular tissue or, or metabolic health, and they're just not able to make enough milk, they can still give their babies the benefits of breast milk and all the antibodies and special things that are only in breast milk. and Combine that with infant formula to make sure their babies get enough nutrition. And um, working with a knowledgeable healthcare professional like a lactation consultant will really help optimize both the benefits of breastfeeding and making sure the baby's getting enough nutrition. The problem is when we just, we're concerned our babies, this baby's not getting enough, so we're going to formula. Um, formula takes longer to digest. The baby starts losing interest in breastfeeding. And before we know it, within a few days, we're not breastfeeding at all. So the lactation consultant will help optimize given the situation. But absolutely, there are some situations where formula is absolutely essential. All right. And with that, we're out of time this morning. If our listeners would like to reach out to you or if they would like to find out more about breastfeeding, of course, they can go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. But if they would like to reach out to you, how can they do so to find out more? We have a website for our Southwest Ohio Breastfeeding Coalition, and they could Google SWOBC, S-W-O-B-C dot org. At that website, there's a fantastic link to resources that includes resources. If you need a breast pump, if you want to get into the WIC program, if you want to see a lactation consultant, if you have insurance, if you don't have insurance, um, if you want to be part of a mother-to-mother support group, all those resources are listed on the S-W-O-B-C dot org website. All right. Well, we're out of time this morning. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. Thank you very much. We've been speaking to Lori Nomson-Rivers. Ph.D. and registered dietitian and associate professor of nutrition in the Department of Nutritional Sciences in the University of Cincinnati's College of Applied Health Sciences. Remember, for more information on the show, reach out to us on our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now and like us there now. Listen to Sunday Morning Magazine no matter what day it is. Use your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear today. Everyone loves buying holiday gifts, but the credit card hangover, not so much. Well, Old Navy is outdoing even Santa with their prices this season. They have incredible prezzies for everyone on your list, like matching jingle jammies, statement-making coats, and the coziest sweaters. And Old Navy has tons of gifts for under 15 bucks. So you can buy yourself a little something too. Sorry, not sorry. So pop by a store or visit oldnavy.com.